listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I am your host, Jason Johnston Yellen, and I have the pleasure of introducing my co-host, friend, business partner, as we've learned from listening to him intro One Nation Under Whiskey. Mm-hmm. His name is Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Welcome. I thought it was Joshua Smooth Hatton this week. So, in Extra Extra, one of us brings a news article to the attention of the other. We read it in the first half of the podcast. We riff on it in the second half. We try to get out of here in a tight 30 to 35 minutes. This week, we have a slightly different approach. Mm. We got an email from our good friend, Tim Mewshaw, who's in the Mid-Atlantic. A wonderful, wonderful supporter of, of all things nation. And and he said, I've, I've got something for extra, extra, but it might be too long. And you and I took a wee look over it, not like us to do research ahead of time, mm-hmm. but we took a wee look over it, see if we could squeeze it in. And we thought we could make room for it. I, I think so. I just, I just want to be clear, especially for our listeners uh, who are not located in the U.S., when you just say... Tim Mushaw is located in the mid-Atlantic. I'm concerned that he's he's stranded somewhere in, in the middle of an ocean. So more specifically, he's... I, I'm okay leaving that image. I think that's a fantastic image for, for global listeners. Yeah. Tim Mushaw just treading water in the middle of the Atlantic. Help, I can't, can't get out of the water. Also, I have a question for you. He clearly gets service from the mid-Atlantic. <laughs> He managed to write and they didn't attach an SOS. That's true. Message in a bottle. Go on. So I didn't want to give away too many details and we're keeping the front end of this a little shorter so that we would have more time to cover the paragraphs. So I'm going to leave it at Mid-Atlantic. So thanks for sending this in, Tim. The piece comes from a blog post and the blog is The Right Spirit. And it has a terrific title. We covered the title on on last week's One Nation Under Whiskey. The title is, Why is Smooth So Thorny? I love that juxtaposition. really good. I thought, that showed somebody spent a moment thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. The author of the piece is Mark J. Mm -hmm. And it was posted July 27th, 2021. And I think as Tim has pegged here, the idea of somebody discussing smooth is, is right up our alley and, and perhaps we'll even get you a little bit cross. Who knows what the future holds, Joshua? <laughs> I'm looking forward. Please start, start it. I'm, I'm excited. So Mark J writes, Most any such pursuit or interest has a language specific to it, learned, used and furthered by those who partake in the endeavour. Language is our primary means of communicating with each other, and ability to communicate well opens up possibilities. And as somebody who spent some time at university teaching a course in reason and rhetoric, I agree wholeheartedly. Nice. Knowing this, there are people who will occasionally use language to deny possibilities, specifically to deny access. They recognise the power of language to afford understanding, understanding itself being one key means of access. Someone who would prefer the gates to their corner of an interest stay closed can wield its lingua franca knowingly against those who come knocking 
overwhelming them with jargon or most commonly ridiculing the newcomer's own language as naive. Hmm. These proud gatekeepers, usually self-appointed, we might call, could have delved into a host of words here, Mark J has gone with, we might call snobs. I feel as if I'm being personally attacked right now, but but I don't think I am. I, I will. You're definitely not being attacked here. <laughs> when I think about it, I've actually met very few such people in person. People with a genuine passion for something seem generally inclined to enjoy sharing. There you go. That's Mr. Hatton in a there nutshell. You there you go. Okay, I feel better. But online, <laughs> free from the pressures and responsibilities that come with face-to-face confrontation, snobs flourish, and they often seem to be the very people who denounce snobbery. <laughs> and then he has a parenthetical comment, wrote the whiskey blogger denouncing snobbery. <laughs> I'm not a snob, you're a snob. <laughs> hey, I'm online calling you a snob, knock it off. <laughs> Mark continues, a facility with language is commonly viewed as one sign of intelligence. In America, where a suspicion of intelligence persists, specialized language is often the target of anti-intellectual sentiments. I'm not certain exactly where or when this attitude originated. I suspect it has to do with the country's origin as a colony of Great Britain. <coughs> oh, I think we're losing service on this part of the, uh, of the blog. <laughs> a parenthetical comment Americans often affect a British dialect when referring to matters of snobbery uh, yes I'm just going to agree even a cockney accent to an American sounds fancy that's funny that you say that <laughs> an old American dig like that's your education talking or how abstract art forms get dismissed as quote unquote too intellectual or when someone cuts short a nuanced conversation with that's just semantics, mm. as if unpacking language isn't key to communicating. <laughs> These are all little manifestations of the American distrust of knowledge. The ironic snobbery of American anti-intellectualism makes the reputation for arrogance Americans have earned when traveling abroad all the more interesting. Mm. It's at this point that I'm trying to scroll around to get a sense if Mark J is an American. Uh, because if he is, he's allowed to say this about his own country. Yes. Uh, it, if, yeah. he's, if he's not, <laughs> we've given him a global platform to say it. So. Oh, no. Just like the internet. Keep reading and your question is immediately <laughs> answered. <laughs> Staying on this global theme for the moment, my own native language is English. Well... American, according to my actually English friends. There you go. So there you go. He's, a, he's, an, he's an American who speaks American English. If I travel to another country where English is not spoken, I must learn the local language if I am to communicate. If I don't do this, my possibilities are limited. If I do learn the language, I can move about more freely and make friends. This truism of language isn't a matter of any regional elitism. It's a basic matter of local culture and my wishing to be a respectful guest. I love it. This, 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 I am loving this so far and I'm, I'm loving his approach. Please continue. Absolutely. Likewise, a kind host will do their best to accommodate a respectful guest. A small example. Fresh out of college, I moved to Japan. It was my first time out of the country. 
Most Japanese people I encountered wanted to speak English with me, which was very accommodating, though it made my learning Japanese more challenging. <laughs> there was a small restaurant I frequented that offered a discounted daily lunch special. The server's English was as rudimentary as my Japanese. When I would enter, she would greet me by pantomiming whatever animal figured into that day's lunch special. Usually chicken, pork, or fish. That's awesome. I can imagine how she would pantomime chicken and fish. I'm curious how she pantomimed the pig. Yeah, how do you pantomime a, a, a pig? Maybe she would discover some truffles underneath one of the counters and pull it out, and you'd be like, oh, pork. Gotcha. <laughs> ah, there we go, yes. <laughs> I'd give her a thumbs up, she'd nod and smile, our communications were clear and complete. And having been welcomed with such kind creativity, I became a regular customer. Over time, she taught me the Japanese words for various foods. These casual language lessons, the words themselves, but also the friendly interactions, helped me go about my daily life in Japan with more confidence. Hmm. This is great. You know, you said a moment ago how much you're enjoying this. To my mind, he is speaking to that whiskey community, yeah. right? That really positive whiskey community that you meet in person and everybody's welcoming. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see when he pivots this back to the online snobbery. Mm -hmm. So he says, bringing things back to whiskey, like all these examples, it has its language. At first, one doesn't know that language. In time, one does. No big deal. Right. Ooh, oh, there's, there's, I think a scene, a scene has been set. Okay. Foreboding. Oh. Okay. I've noticed lately, and remember this was the end of July 2021 when it was posted. I've noticed lately an uptick in whiskey YouTubers either catching themselves wanting to describe whiskey as smooth, but quickly course correcting, or else denouncing the term outright. Oh, now he's coming for you, Joshua. Now we've warmed up. <laughs> uh, you will afford me time to defend myself, right? <laughs> In the second half. Okay, okay, So he says, or else denouncing the term outright with some degree of smirk as meaningless than substituting some string of other descriptors in its stead. Why not just say smooth if that's what they mean? The question seems to be what does smooth mean with regard to whiskey? I've never quite understood why this was a question. The anti-smoothers believe it has no meaning. I've never understood that either. Smooth doesn't seem that complicated a word, and it's certainly not obscure. This is good. Mm -hmm. Then it's turned into a personal attack on Joshua. He has my attention. <laughs> There, and I'm glad I'm the one reading it. I feel like you'd be defending yourself as you were going from sentence to sentence. There are literal words used to describe the aroma or taste of a whiskey. Vanilla, caramel, peanut, apple, cola. Meaning one tastes those exact things. These words are easy to relate to. If one has tasted vanilla, caramel, peanut, apple and cola. And likely one has. Those examples being very common in a wide range of cuisine and cultures. One can get even more scientific about it and learn the molecules that make up common aromas and flavours. For example, vanilla, a common flavour known in whiskey, is more formally known as vanillin, an organic compound with the molecular formula C8H8O3, 
which if I remember is eight carbon, eight hydrogen, three oxygen molecules. It being a primary component of the vanilla bean plant, we call that particular plant vanilla. But C8, <laughs> but C8H8O3 or vanillin or vanilla is also found in oak, the wood used to make whiskey barrels. Hence vanilla figuring into the flavor profile of many whiskies. Mm -hmm. Though very useful to a distiller, the scientific language isn't going to get one very far when sharing whiskey with friends. Say anything like what I wrote above and either glazed eyes or accusations of whiskey snobbery may soon follow. In most situations, the language used for describing whiskey is much more casual and colloquial, much more broadly accessible, and that's perfectly adequate as well as sociable, which makes me think about you, Joshua Hatton, using the tasting note of Mark Boland's blue velvet suit. Yes, yes indeed. Yes. <laughs> Perfectly acceptable and colloquial. God, everybody knows that one. Oh, you know what? This <laughs> this tastes like Mark Boland's blue velvet suit. You're so sweet. You're so bad. I want your own everything. Look at the two be That's your baby. When trying to describe a whiskey, people often use language that is metaphorical and seeks to capture something more complex and less literal about the tasting experience. Like Mark Boland's blue velvet suit. Yeah, that bang a gong. Get it on. <laughs> My partner once said an Isla scotch I'd poured for her tasted like, quote-unquote, a shoreline bonfire at sunset, mm. end quote. Sounds delicious. It does. I'm confident she has never actually eaten sand at an ocean's edge, nor swallowed fire, and it's not possible to ingest setting rays of sunlight. Her description was a metaphor for a mood, a sensibility, and a ray of sensations. From smells, campfire smoke and salty sea air, to feelings, the warmth of the fire and sun, to qualities of experience, relaxed and cosy. Smooth has its literal meaning. And he, he quotes the, the Merriam-Webster here, uh, having a continuous even surface uh, of a curve, having or being short even coat of hair, so on and so forth. From this alone, it seems fairly apparent why smooth could be useful when describing a whiskey. I, I read all of those descriptors and none of them <laughs> seemed useful, but... Please continue. <laughs> you don't think having a continuous even surface? Being without hair? Oh, I tell you, this whiskey has no hair at or all. Or causing no resistance to sliding? Continue your story. I, I don't want to slag on, on him, uh, on Mr. Mark J. I think this article is fantastic so far. I just take a bit of umbrage that any of those descriptors regarding the word smooth really has place when describing a whiskey, at least as far as Merriam Webster, uh, Merriam Webster's dictionaries, the own entry has anything to do. So just so let's let's see how he makes his point then. Yeah, so he yeah. goes on to he goes on to say, if it's a high proof Booker's bourbon, for example, one can anticipate the alcohol will pack a fiery punch, that it will not be as in definition two above free from difficulties or impediments. 
I've served bookers to many a guest whose eyebrows shot up right before they gasped coughing. <laughs> Not an experience that conjures the word smooth. However, occasionally even a bourbon like Booker's belies the expectations of its 125 plus proof and is quote unquote easy drinking or smooth. Such Booker's batches, I'm looking at you, Dots Batch. <laughs> tend to be highly prized given high-proof bourbons that nevertheless go down easily are difficult to achieve. I can also imagine smooth used in reference to a whiskey with prominent caramel or chocolate flavours, foods that are themselves associated with smooth or creamy textures. Mm -hmm. These whiskies I might call smooth, as opposed to certain high rye bourbons I can think of, which, although they may also have caramel and chocolate notes, can sometimes have a kind of granular, not smooth, feeling to them from the rye spice aspects of their flavour profile. Yeah. Thinking of Miriam Webster's third definition above, some whiskies show the same notes from the nose through the taste and on into the finish. One might describe this consistency as smooth, given it is even and uninterrupted in flow or flight. A whisky that shows certain aromas on the nose, then surprisingly different flavours on the taste, and a third wave of flavours lingering the finish, one might not consider smooth. Given the uneven unfolding of flavours, one interrupting the last from moment to moment. Hmm. So it seems to me the word smooth is quite appropriate with regards to whisky. Its range of uses is pretty straightforward. As a broad word with multiple possible meanings, it's at least one place to start. In that sense, it's not at all unlike caramel, a very commonly used descriptor. True. But what exactly does someone mean by it? What kind of caramel? Dark? Light? Cheap? Homemade? Dry? In the form of fudge? A sauce? A hard candy? Those old sugar daddy caramel lollipops? Yeah. Something caramelized, like the top of a creme brulee? If someone asks me for a smooth whiskey, at least I know not to reach for something high octane like Booker's or, help me out with this one, 31N50? Yeah, I don't know. that. It, okay. Sure. Maybe it's oh. a special release. Hold on. Let's... Well, we'll come back to that. They likely want something that has, in a sense, a continuous, even surface. In which case, I might pour them a glass of Weller Special Reserve or mixed blood-blended whiskey. Or I can just ask them what they mean by smooth. And now we're getting to know one another. Yes. Oh, that line right there. Continue. Getting to know you. Getting to know, know all about, about you. you. Final paragraph. Mm -hmm. All to say. No need to let the jargon police mess with our whiskey experiences and declare any word off limits. And whiskey is spelled with an E. As kind hosts and respectful guests mm -hmm. who share a passion for whiskey, embracing curiosity in how others find words for their experiences can only deepen our mutual appreciation. One might liken a whiskey's taste to foods 
movies, places, sensations, emotions, personalities, natural phenomena, childhood memories. There are many ways to describe sunlight in a glass. <laughs> See what I did there? And if someone I'm drinking with doesn't understand what I mean, I can try describing it some other way. Language is full of possibilities, like people and like whiskey. Cheers. slightly longer read than normal and so our episode will be a little bit longer than the 30 to 35 minutes but not by much yeah we're, we're still going to enjoy our little riff here there's there's lots to tease out and some parts that i want to come back to and some parts you want to come mm-hmm. back to and so I, actually I'm, I'm gonna say this first that was really excellent that was a, a thoughtful, well-reasoned blog post by somebody who championed the community of whiskey drinkers. That's to be applauded, first and foremost. It agreed, and someone who, who seemingly enjoys language. It was a well-written piece that was also very accessible. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? yes. Which, which I think is, is important, especially given given what we're talking about here, right? Language and, and how to access something through language and how language can be beneficial to accessing that thing. So, so I really enjoyed it from that standpoint. Before we return to the part that I wanted to revisit in the second half, there was a part that you really pricked up your ears at. Yes. And, you, and it seemed to be this was the crux of the matter for you. Do yes. you want to take us to that? Oh, 100%. 100%. Let me preface it by saying that I am not 100% against the word smooth. I think smooth, when describing a whiskey, is the perfect entry point to a conversation. When someone says, ooh, that's smooth, that usually implies I like it, okay? And what I really liked, and it was towards the end, when he was talking about the Bookers or the 31N50 and so on, and, and you know, trying to get an understanding of what may or may not be smooth to someone's palate, he ends a paragraph saying, or I could just ask them what they mean by smooth, and now we're getting to know one another. So my difficulty with the word smooth is if that's the word you use and you stop there, and you don't, I don't want to use the word evolve, but if you just stop there, it doesn't allow you to dig in further as to exactly what you do mean by smooth. Just like he'd said earlier, you're talking caramel. What kind of caramel is it? Is it dark caramel? Is it melted? Is it this? Is it that? Right? So these words are really good as entry points into a conversation or entry points into understanding the drink that's in your glass or in describing the drink that's in your glass. But if it ends at this is smooth and I like it, 
well, I guess that's fine for some people, right? I can't, I can't knock people for saying, I like whiskey, don't necessarily know why I like it, but I like it, and I've heard this term smooth used before, hence I'm going to use this word smooth. Yeah, I, I like how Mark really pushes the envelope a little bit and says, let's get to know you a little better. Let's get to understanding what you mean by smooth. Does smooth mean it has flavors you enjoy? Or does it mean it's not burning your palate? Or does it mean it has flavors you enjoy? It may be burning your palate a little bit, but you don't mind, right? It, it's, and that's, that is my major bugaboo with smooth is that it becomes an end point. And I don't think the word smooth is an end point. I think, I think that's your springboard. I think that's where you start from. And then as you start, because he made a very good point about there being a language around whiskey, right? You need to understand this language a bit more. And I think as as one digs in a bit deeper, they may still continue to use the word smooth. And, and I don't necessarily think there's something wrong with that. I just, when you start digging deeper, you understand the drink a bit more and you start understanding yourself and your own palate a bit more and you become a more helpful person as you're trying to bring others into this drink whiskey. Well, it almost makes me think about uh, an independent bottler or a distiller saying, this whiskey was matured in oak. Mm. Like, okay, mm -hmm. okay, we have established the ground rules. Go on. And then if they don't tell you more about the cask... It's frustrating. Yes. Having someone at a, at a tasting or, or at a festival taste your the whiskey you've just poured for them and they look at you and they say, that's smooth. It feels a bit like they could be saying, that's wet. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. And so I, I like the fact that we, along with Mark are interested in relationships, mm -hmm. are interested in, in fuller communication. But whereas Mark might be saying, it's okay if someone says it's smooth, there's, there's, a base, there's a base understanding between us, but let's keep going. And your frustration seems to be if people don't want to keep going, mm. right? You're like, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying there. But is there more? But, that, is but that's there more the thing. To that? I, I don't get where they're, what they're saying there. And he's got a good point. It's not, it's not a complicated word, but it's used in such a broad brush style that it could mean anything. It could mean a multitude of things. So what I want to hear people, they taste a new whiskey, they say, you know, they smell it, they taste it, and I say, ooh, that's... That's smooth. That's smooth. I like it. Say, all right. That you like it. That's awesome. What What do you mean by smooth? Well, it's got a bit of heat to it. The alcohol is kind of high, but it's got this vanilla and caramel flavors that I just really like. Uh, okay, that's great. Now we're having a conversation. If you just say, "Ooh, that's smooth," and I like it, like, what do I have? Like, if it's a friend. I still don't have the ammunition to say, oh, you liked that one. Why don't you try this one? Right? All I know so, is that this person thinks it's smooth. So what do you take of Mark's point then? When if someone, someone says, give me something smooth, then do you think to yourself, 
okay, we have to avoid the high octane because in your example there, you're even suggesting maybe the alcohol could be a little higher, but it was carrying the flavors of some smooth things. Do you think do you think high octane is on the table, is not on the table when someone mentions they're looking for something smooth? It depends, right? If 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 high octane is on the table, it depends on who it's from, right? If if high octane is possible, I wouldn't necessarily put a George T. Stag in front of them because it's big and it's hot and there's a lot of alcohol. However, there's enough flavor backing it up that you can kind of get past that, maybe add a bit of water to it. However, you know, we've bottled whiskeys that were 67, 68, 69% alcohol, but because we're texture guys, we make sure that that whiskey always has that rich, heavy viscosity that offsets the potential heat and then could be potentially, quote-unquote, smooth. So, unfortunately, there isn't a straight answer. I guess what I would say is, I would, if someone says, hey, I want a smooth whiskey, I would likely stay away from the cask strength stuff, but I don't know if I'd go much below 46. Maybe I would do a 43%. So long as that whiskey was non-chill filtered. If it's chill filtered, then all of those beautiful oils that protect your tongue from the alcohol are gone. And it could be 40% alcohol and no one's going to call it quote unquote smooth. It'll be hot and it'll be driving tears down your cheek. Right? So it has to have those oils. It makes me think a little bit of the conversation that we had on One Nation Under Whiskey when Balancer Anthony Rivera wrote in to ask us about our use of the word rich. Mm. And as we kept articulating that response, we kept putting it in context. And in listening to this conversation around smooth, we seem to keep coming back to the same demand that it gets put in context. And, and I quite like the idea that you could you could still hold dear to saying, I don't like it when people use the word smooth, but you could add on to that because it lacks context. Yeah. If you want to use the word smooth, deliver me more context yeah. and, I'll, and I'll listen to you and I'll engage with you. And, and I, I think that's kind of a nice middle ground between mm-hmm. You saying, you know, don't use smooth, which is why Tim sent in the article. But then Mark over here saying, does it really matter if people say smooth? Like you, you get, you still get to say, yeah, it does. It, it, it does matter. It, it, right. Because words have meaning. But I'm not, sh- <laughs> but I'm not right. But I'm not shutting a door. No. On the person who says smooth. I'm not turning my back on the person that says smooth. I'm saying put more leaves on those branches. Right. It, it, again, it gets back to, is smooth your end point? If it is, then it's problematic. It, to me, right? Maybe to that person, maybe not. Maybe that's all they care about. They like their bookers and it's smooth to them. They like their whatever and it's smooth to them. And to them, that means they enjoy it. That's fine. I mean, wh- whatever. You can't really do much with that. But that word is much more useful when it's, a springboard when it's a starting point 
and and you're having a whiskey conversation, and then we get back to, all right, what do you what do you mean by that? Where what does what does smooth mean to you? Yeah, with with that said, I actually want to transition into the part I wanted to return to, which Mark has has given me reason to to contemplate here. For me, smooth has always been about texture and not about flavors. Correct. And he had a portion here, and I'm scrolling back to it. Yeah, when he uses Merriam-Webster's third definition, and he says, some whiskies show the same notes from the nose through the taste and on into the finish. One might describe this consistency as smooth, given it is, quote, even and uninterrupted in flow or flight. Hmm. A whiskey that shows certain aromas on the nose and surprisingly different flavours on the taste, and a third wave of flavours lingering in the finish, one might not consider smooth, given the uneven unfolding of flavours, one interrupting the last from moment to moment. And when I read that... That is our selection process, right? (laughs) You said it a moment ago, we're texture guys. That's a guiding principle for us, Mm. is oily, viscous, unctuous texture. But then we're also looking for a thread of flavors that develop Mm -hmm. from nose to palate to finish. And if some component comes in from left field and we go, whoa, whoa, where did the celery root come from? Okay. We're going to take umbrage with that sample. Now, just because the process being described dovetails with us, I would never have thought to consider that smooth. Do you see room for this smoothness of experience? I want to make sure what I'm about to say comes out the right way uh, because it, it, it can come across a bit derogatory and maybe maybe the I just want to make sure the phrasing in and of itself is not um, pejorative in any way and what I mean is my guess is the majority of those that are just pouring a whiskey and drinking it and saying they like it because it's smooth they're not necessarily looking for that journey of nose to palate to finish to find all of those different flavors, which are most assuredly there in many places. But sometimes a whiskey is just a good whiskey. Or sometimes mm-hmm. a whiskey is just mm-hmm. a bad whiskey. And my guess is those that use the word smooth as an endpoint rather than a springboard are not necessarily going to look for that that flow, that evolution, or that transition from nose to palate to finish, and how it evolves, how it changes, and so on. There just smells like whiskey. It's a bit spicy. There's a sweet vanilla to it. It doesn't burn my mouth. Awesome, right? And and th- and there you mm-hmm. are. So mm-hmm. so I I don't know that those using the word smooth calling something smoother or, or, or maybe calling something not smooth are thinking, you know what? 
from nose to palate to finish, uh, it's it's not an even ride. There's not a development of flavors and scents. And I don't think they're going to use the term smooth around that journey. I think they're going to use it around flavors, very specific large flavors, not nuanced, large flavors. And they're going to use it in how does the alcohol hold itself within that drink and on your tongue. So I'm intrigued because all the way through this, we've talked about smooth is the beginning of a conversation. It's maybe time for follow-up questions. You might want to listen to the person using it to see what they mean by it. You and I ran a little experiment before we started recording Mm -hmm. where we said one to the other, go grab a smooth whiskey for this recording. (laughs) And I'm, I'm curious to see what you poured and then why you poured it, given that Mark has offered up different explanations for, for smooth and what smooth could mean. I'm curious what guided you in the word smooth with your selection. I love that we did this, first off. Um, so Thanks I, to Tim for drawing it to our attention. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Tim. And thank you for Mark for this article. I, I've never heard of his blog before, and it's one I'm going to revisit because... I think this article in and of itself, if this is any indication as to the quality of his pieces, <laughs> I'm going to be back for more. There's no doubt yep. about it. Just to reiterate, it's therightspirit.com. The-right-spirit.com. So I picked uh, Glenmorangie La Santa, 12-year-old, and it's not the older version. There's the older version that's 46% alcohol. I selected the 43% alcohol one and not because it's a lower ABV, (laughs) but because from the standpoint of how is this whiskey holding its alcohol and how do the flavors develop, the 43% alcohol is is the superior version, in my opinion, which I thought I'd never say. So at Glenmorangie, do chill filter, but as... Uh, Dr. Bill had told us they do a very light chill filtration. They're really focused on if these people want to put an ice cube in there, is there going to be any luging, right? We want to minimize that that cloudy effect. But they're not just stripping it of all of its oils. It's sherry cast matured. It's oloroso. It's PX. So you have that richness, the heaviness from the oak and the light, sweet character of, of the whiskey, I think it's just approachable for those that just want a quote-unquote smooth whiskey and not necessarily think about the flavors going on. However, if you do want to think about the flavors going on, it's an expressive whiskey that ha- that's multi-layered as well. Yeah, and I think, I think that's when whiskey is done well, when it's mm. something you can pour in a glass at the end of a day, chuck in a nice cube if that makes you happy, drink it and feel better about the world or stick it in a copita, go with your right nostril and then your left, slow mm-hmm. and steady wins the race. Like I, I love those whiskeys that, that can be enjoyed in, in multiple ways. I reached beyond my Compass Box Glasgow blend mm. and picked out Compass Box Artist <laughs> blend. <laughs> You really have a wheelhouse, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I said this to you before we hit record. It's currently 
Fahrenheit and 45% humidity here in Virginia today. Mm-hmm. This is an experience that one can reach for that is delicate and subtle and easygoing and approachable, mm-hmm. but rewarding if you want to stick it in a copita and go carefully with one nostril off to the other. Mm-hmm. It is 43%. That was a guiding principle for me in looking for smooth attributes. Front of the label, non-chill filtered. Beautiful. Right? The oils are still present. The texture is still there. The fats for the binding of the ethanol still exist. So you can reduce the ABV, but still not get the alcohol prickle. So... And the, f- the flavors are, are just delightful in this blended scotch. Uh, bright, lemony, fresh. Lemon meringue pie comes to mind right away. But, but easy drinking and, and smooth for me mm-hmm. communicates a lack of struggle, right? Huh. Yeah. You know, it, again, some people just want to put a little whiskey in their glass and throw some ice cubes in there and end their day. That's fine. That is more than fine. And if you want to describe that as a smooth whiskey, if you enjoy it, keep on enjoying it. If you want to dig deeper, there's a wide world of whiskeys for you to do that. And there's plenty of people, whether it's Mark J here on the right spirit or or anyone who can help you dig a bit deeper but I really I, I think it gets back to that chill filtration thing as well was it Ollie I think it was Ollie Chilton who had told us I, I can handle caramel coloring right if you want to add some caramel in there to change the color that's fine uh, but once you chill filter that whiskey you're destroying it you've destroyed the whiskey you've you've, you've ripped out the heart and soul obviously I'm paraphrasing him, but I think he's going to shake his head vigorously to what I'm saying here, is that chill filtration isn't just flavor, but it, it's experience. It's that textural experience that helps make a smooth whiskey, quote-unquote smooth whiskey, enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Ollie will be nodding his head vigorously. In the UK, if you shake, shake your head vigorously, it looks like this. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a bad thing. So he'll be nodding. He, did I Definitely. say shake his head? I thought I said nod. Did I say shake? I'm sorry. I, I meant nod. Yeah. In American, you use shake for the the positive. No, 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 no. I always use nod for positive and shake for negative. I just said the wrong word. All right. Well, there yeah. you go. Completely changed your entire meaning. Our episode has run a little longer than the anticipated, 30 to 35, but we thought that it might. I love the fact that we had room for our own little experiment on the back of Mark J's piece. And as we said previously, sincere thanks to Tim for bringing this to our attention. Mm-hmm. This, this was a lot of fun to sit and unpack uh, a little bit more than we have in the past. If you, dear listener, would like to be like Tim and send something in for us to cover, you can send an email to questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. There is no E in whiskey, and the word smooth does not appear anywhere in that address. This has been a ton of fun, Joshua. I've thoroughly enjoyed the time covering this. I hope 
The same is true for our dear listeners. And until the next episode of Extra Extra, I remain Jason. You remain Joshua. That's true. And we're out of here. We're out of here. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.